If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 1. What an amazing gift that we get to study <clears throat> this book together as we begin a study through the book of Deuteronomy. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, thank you so much for letting us have your word. Lord, I'm overwhelmed by how, by how undeserving we are to get to read one sentence. To get to read one single sentence from your word, God. It's overwhelming mercy. Thank you for mercy. But even more than that, Lord, you let us study a whole book together. Thank you for your word. Lord, you've given your word to a rebellious people. Saved us and redeemed us, Lord, through the blood of Christ and opened our eyes to understand. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, God, for your word. As we read it, God, as we study it and meditate on it, Lord, now and in the coming in the coming months, God, I pray that you would, you would come down, Lord, that you would rend the heavens and come down on the reading and the teaching of your word. God, we don't deserve to hear it. And I certainly don't deserve to preach it. So, Lord, we bless your name. Thank you so much, God. Help us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're beginning a study in Deuteronomy. And let's just begin with this question. Excuse me. The question is this. What is Deuteronomy? And generally speaking, very generally speaking, Deuteronomy is the word of God. This is God's word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture, all of it, is breathed out by God. When we read it, it's like we're reading the very voice of God. Just like you've heard us say this before, like those, that audible voice of God that they, they heard from Mount Sinai, the giving of the law. Every time we open God's word, and here at Deuteronomy, when we open his word, we've got the living and powerful word of God. It's breathed out by God. 2 Peter 1.21 says, no prophecy, no prophecy, not even Deuteronomy, was produced by the will of men. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. These are words from the Spirit of God. That's what Deuteronomy is. Jesus loved this book. Jesus loved Deuteronomy. In fact, he memorized Deuteronomy. 
If you remember Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 10, when he's in some of his, maybe you could call it his darkest moments. I mean, he thought he was going to die in that moment of temptation in the wilderness. And three times you hear Jesus saying, it's written, it is written, it is written. All three times he's pointing back to this book, Deuteronomy, that he loves, that he memorized. And my prayer is that we would be the same way, that we would love this book. And specifically, specifically the book of Deuteronomy. So what is Deuteronomy? It's the word of God. Now more specifically, Deuteronomy is a record of the last words of Moses. It's a record of the last words of Moses. Now that's a really big deal. Uh, we were introduced to Moses back in Exodus, if you remember that. Uh, Exodus chapter 2, we were introduced to Moses and he's led these people all these years. And now here in Deuteronomy, we get the final words of Moses. Now Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, which is where we're going to be this morning, it serves as an introduction, and it's an introduction to the, to the entire book. It tells, us, it tells us what the contents are in this book. It tells us where and when Moses' final words were spoken. And so we're about to read Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. So please look at it with me, and let's read God's word. These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness in the Arabah opposite Suf between Paran and Tephel, Laban, Hazareth, and Dizahab. It is 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment to them. After he had defeated Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtoreth and in Indri, beyond the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to explain this law, saying, and it goes on to tell us specifically the words of Moses. Now, I want you to notice this repetition in what we just read. And this repetition reminds us of what, what are the contents, what do we have in the book of Deuteronomy? What do we have here? We have the words of Moses, uh, uh, Moses' words to the people of Israel, his final words. Verse 1, notice the repetition. Verse 1 says, these are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel. That's your introduction to Deuteronomy. Verse 3 repeats that right there in the middle of verse 3. It says, Moses spoke to the people of Israel. And verse 5 says it in a little different way. It says, Moses undertook to explain this law. Deuteronomy, that's the introduction. Deuteronomy is the words of Moses. And I would say the final and the last words of Moses before he dies. And so Deuteronomy is a record of the last words of this man. 
The introduction tells us that. The contents of the book tells us that. In fact, I'll just tell you this quickly as you kind of look ahead in the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 1, verse 6, okay, where we stopped, all the way to chapter 4, verse 40, is one speech. One speech from Moses to the people of Israel. Most of the book is devoted to, to a record of these speeches. From, from Deuteronomy chapter 5 all the way to chapter 28. Think about that. Chapter 5 to chapter 28 is one speech, another speech from Moses to the people of Israel. And that first speech, that first address of Moses, you have him recounting the history of how God has dealt with Israel. And that second address, that second speech from Moses to Israel, you have him uh, reading or, or um, recounting and even expounding upon the law of God that he gave at Sinai or at Mount Horeb. So the people of God, think about it, the people of God are about to enter into the promised land, but Moses knows he can't go. And so here's his final words to the people that he's led for 40 years. Moses is about to die. He knows he's about to die. And we read about his death in the final chapter of Deuteronomy in chapter 34. And knowing that he's about to die, knowing that he won't go into the promised land with them, Deuteronomy are the final words of this man. Now that takes me to this. In Numbers chapter 12, I want to read this verse to you. You don't have to flip there. Deuteronomy presents to us Moses as the prophet of God. These are his final words of the prophet of God. And I'm saying the prophet, not merely a prophet. He is the prophet of God in the Old Testament. Listen to what it says in Numbers 12, verse 6. And he said, hear my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. It's different with Moses. Not like those other prophets. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly, and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. There's something different about this man, Moses. And Deuteronomy is recording this idea that he is the prophet of God. And these are the final words of the prophet to Israel. In this book, and in that fact, we get what the people of God really need. What, what is it that God's people truly need? They need the prophet. And these are the last words of the prophet. Remember verse 3. In our introduction, listen to the way it says it. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel. Here's that prophet speaking to the people of Israel. Listen, according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment to them. God had given him something in commandment to them, and he's taken it to the people. He's the prophet of God. Listen to how it ends. Last two verses. Of Deuteronomy chapter 34, excuse me, last three verses, verse 10 through 12. Last words of Deuteronomy says this, and there has not arisen 
a prophet since in Israel like Moses. There hasn't arisen a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and all his servants and all his land and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of Israel. There's not arisen a prophet like this man. Something different about this man. And here's his last words in the book of Deuteronomy. Now the prophet, the prophet is one that stands before God's people on God's behalf and he proclaims the word of God. And this is what the people of God need more than anything. They need to hear from their God. They need a revelation from on high. They need a message from another world. We need that. And the people of God here, they need that. They need a prophet. Left to themselves, the people of God are in darkness. There's no light. They need light that cuts through the darkness. And so God sends them the prophet, the light from another world. And Moses has been that prophetic light from the book of Exodus on till now as we see him die at the end of Deuteronomy. He's been their leader. He's been their mediator. But in Deuteronomy we see his last words. They're powerful words, but they're his final words. Why? Because he's soon to die. The light is going to go out, and he'll be their prophet and their leader and their mediator no more by the end of Deuteronomy. Now, in light of that, I want you to notice something beautiful about this book, something really beautiful about this book. It begins with this introduction of Moses as the prophet to the people of God. And then think about how it just ended. There's not arisen a prophet like this man to this day. None like him, it says. And you're thinking to yourself, will there ever arise another? That's, it just leaves you hanging. Will there ever arise another prophet like this man? Will he ever come? And this book actually answers that question. And since we won't come to it for a little while, I want to read to you where this book answers that question. Will there ever arise another prophet like this man? Deuteronomy 18, verse 14 says this. These nations you're about to dispossess. They're about to head into the land. These nations you're about to dispossess. Listen to fortune tellers and diviners. They want to hear a message from another world. They, they, want, they want revelation from on high. And where do they go to get it? Fortune tellers and diviners and false gods, these pagan ways. He says, but as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. You need a message from on high. You need revelation from another world. You need it, but it's not through the means, not through these pagan means. How will you get it? Listen to what it says. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet, Moses says, like me, from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Who's he talking about? 
God's going to give you a prophet like me, Moses says, and you need to listen to him. Keep going. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb, that's at Mount Sinai, on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God to see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they've spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I'll put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Who is this promised prophet to come? Peter tells us, I know you know who it is, but just to confirm what you think, in Acts chapter 3, Peter tells us this. Acts 3 verse 19, Peter says, Repent therefore, turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed to you, Jesus. Jesus. Who is this Jesus? Listen. Whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, he takes you back to Deuteronomy 18. The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. This book answers the question. So you're reading Deuteronomy. Moses is presented as this prophet. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 3. He's the one that brings the commands from God. He brings the word of God to his people. What they really need. And yet he dies. He dies. And will there ever come another prophet like him? And the book answers it. There's coming one. And we know that it's been fulfilled in Christ. That prophet has come. Hebrews 1.3 says this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophet, by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, the ultimate prophet. The prophet of Deuteronomy had weakness, and he had sin, and he will die. But his life is a shadow of the one who is to come, the one that's greater than Moses. He's like Moses, and yet he's greater than Moses. He's come. He's Jesus. He's the final prophet. Let the book of Deuteronomy stir up your affections as you look at Moses the prophet and remember that his life is a shadow of the one to come. And let your affections be stirred for Christ. The prophet who said this, Fear not, for I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I live forevermore. I live forevermore. Deuteronomy shows us Moses as a glorious mediator and prophet. But Hebrews 3.3 tells us Jesus 
has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. That's right out of Hebrews 3.3. Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Moses could not bear the weight of the people alone. Jesus bore your sins all by himself. Moses had sin that didn't allow him to finish the work and take him into the promised land. Christ will take us to the very end. And most simply, Moses is dead, but Jesus is alive. Let Deuteronomy stir your affections for the prophet that came, and Moses was a shadow of him. Now, Deuteronomy is also the written word of God, but it, it, also, it also tells us things about the written word of God. So it gives us insight into some things about the written word of God. And I want us to think about that for just a moment. In this book, we are reminded of the importance of the written words of God. Those books you have in your lap. The written word of God. God has revealed himself through written words and Deuteronomy pays a very high regard for the scripture. Look at Deuteronomy 1.5. In our introduction, it says this. Beyond the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to explain. Some of your versions might say expound. Moses undertook to explain or expound this law. Now, how amazing is that? How amazing is this? That the, the majority of Moses' uh, uh, final breaths... Okay? His, his final words, and the majority of them are doing what? Reading the written words of God and, and, and expounding them. Moses, you got a few things left to say. You've been leading these people for 40 years. You know you're about to die. You're not going to be able to lead them all the way in to the promised land. What do you want to say? Written words coming out of his mouth. I want to expound the law of God. And the significance of the written word of God. Now that importance of the written word is going to continue on throughout Deuteronomy. We're going to see it in the duty for all parents. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 through 8 says, These words, these words should be in your heart, parents. And you should teach them diligently to your children. And talk about them. Talk about these written words. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Let them be like signs on your hands and like frontless between your eyes. Write these words on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Just let your home be consumed with the written word of God. That's in Deuteronomy. We see it in the duty for kings. In Deuteronomy 17, verse 18 through 20. The king was commanded, whoever would become king of Israel, he was commanded to have his own copy, his own written copy of God's word. And he was commanded, king, you should read this copy of the law all the days of your life. Read it every day of your life that you might learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the commands that are in it. That your heart might not be lifted above your brethren. What produces that kind of stuff? Read it. Read it. Read it. The importance of the written word of God. 
And not only that, the, the, not only the duty of the parents and of the king, but of all people, men, women, and children. Listen to Deuteronomy 31, verse 9 through 12. Listen to this. Then Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priest, the sons of Levi, who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord and all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, they got it written, Moses commanded them, at the end of every seven years, at the set time in the year of release, at the Feast of Booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord God at the place that he will choose, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people together, men and women and little ones and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the words of this law. And that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. It's the duty of all people to fear and tremble and consume the written words of God. Deuteronomy exalts the importance of the written word of God. And my prayer has been as we study this book together that your affections would be raised, that, that your, your love, your, your delight for the written words of God would be raised as we study the, the book of Deuteronomy together. Let me give you a quick practical encouragement here. And I, I've, I think I've said this probably before. Maybe I'm just saying it again in case you didn't listen to me. I want to encourage you to read Psalm 119. Just go read it slowly and carefully. It's all about written words of God. You see words like this, law and words and precepts and statutes and commandments. And every time you see those words, we're talking about the written words of God in Psalm 119. Psalm 119. The written words of God. I want to encourage you to read it. And then I want to encourage you to write down all the expressions of how the psalmist feels towards the written word of God. Now, as you write down those expressions, the psalmist feels like this. He feels like this. He feels like this towards the written words of God. Here, here's the kind of phrases you're going to come across. Your commandments are my delight. I'm, cons I'm consumed with longing for your precepts. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day long. I long for your commandments. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my lips. I open my mouth and pant. Why? Because I long for your commandments. Do you hear these expressions? I long for it. I delight in it. I love the written words of God. I want more of it. I'm panting for the word of God. That's what I want. And then I want to encourage you to ask yourself some self-examination questions. Does my heart long for written words like that? Do I delight in the written words of God like that. And more specifically, 
Is this the way I feel towards Deuteronomy? This book we're about to study together. And then as you do that, pray in light of it. Every ounce of desire you've got for the written word of God, every ounce of excitement you have for studying Deuteronomy, give him thanks for that. That's not natural. That's not natural. By nature, we are children of wrath that hate the word of God. If you love it, something's going on. God's at work in you. And for every, and for every, every ounce of coldness you feel, towards the Word of God where you can't say, I delight in it. Pray and ask God to do this work in your heart. Listen to me. These are the kind of prayers that God answers. When you ask, when you pray something like this, oh God, make me delight in your Word. Oh God, give me that longing I read about in Psalm 119. God loves to answer prayers like this for His people. Pray. Pray for that. Now, coming back to our introduction in chapter 1, the introduction to Deuteronomy, chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, we see here when and where Moses spoke these final words. We see when and where Moses preached these words. Deuteronomy 1 1 says, these are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan. And then he gives you some more specifics about where, he's at, where they're at. But the point here is it's beyond the Jordan. In other words, in Deuteronomy, the people of Israel have not yet crossed the Jordan and entered into the promised land. But they're on the verge of it. But he spoke these words to them when they were on the verge of it, beyond the Jordan, before they had crossed over into the promised land. And then look at verse 2, and I want you to ask yourself, why are we given this detail? It's an interesting detail, verse 2. It is, place where they're at, right there on the verge of the promised land, it is 11 days' journey from Horeb by way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. Now, why that detail? Why are we told that it's 11 days' journey from Horeb? This is a call to remember. So as, you, as, they, as the people would understand this, you know, as we think about this, this would be a call to remember Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai, where the people of God had received that law 40 years ago. And it's a call to remember that. This is a call to remember where they came from. It's a call for the people of Israel right there on the cusp of entering into the promised land. Remember where you came from. Remember Mount Sinai. Remember Horeb. Do you remember that history of Moses and the people of Israel recorded for us in the book of Exodus? Do you remember that? Here you got these people, the people of Israel. They're enslaved in Egypt at the beginning of Exodus. But they're an enslaved people, but they've got these promises from the previous book in Genesis that through this people, these people that come from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through this people are going to come a Messiah. And they got this land promise that this land is going to be theirs. They're going to take possession of it. The promise was given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they never saw it. But here's, here's their descendants, the people of Israel, enslaved in Egypt. And God delivers them out of Egypt through Moses 
God takes them to Horeb, to Mount Sinai, gives them his law, enters into covenant with them, and then, and then turns their eyes towards that land that was promised. Go and take possession of that land. Now, it was only an 11 days journey. That's what he tells us here. It was only, a, it was only an 11 days journey from Horeb to that promised land. That's, what, that's the detail we get here. It's, it's only 11 days journey, but look at verse 3. Deuteronomy 1 verse 3. In the 40th year. It's only 11 days journey, but here it's been 40 years in this wilderness. It's only 11 days journey, but in the 40th year, that's when Moses is speaking these final words. Now what happened? How did an 11-day journey turn into 40 years? This was the judgment of God on their sin. Listen to Numbers 14. I want to read Numbers 14. Lean in and hear verse 26 through 35. You remember what happened? That they were about to head into that promised land. And wait, wait, before we do that, can we send spies in? They send spies in. Spies come back. And what are the spies saying? They should have said, it don't matter what we saw. We got a promise from God. Let's go. But what did they say instead? They ignored the promise of God. That's your land. And they said, but what about the giants? What about the fortified cities? We're afraid to go in there. And they disobeyed God. And God says this in Numbers 14, verse 26. And the Lord, and the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron saying, How long? Shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? I've heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against me. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness, and all your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me, not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, that's your children, but your little ones who you said will become a prey, I will bring in. And they shall know the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years, and shall suffer for your faithlessness until the last of your dead bodies lies in the wilderness, according to the number of the days in which you spied out the land. Forty days, a year for each day, and you shall bear your iniquity forty years, and you shall know my displeasure. I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this will I do to all the wicked congregation who are gathered together against me in this wilderness. They shall come to a full end, and there they shall die. Do you understand? So what we're seeing in Deuteronomy is what? A new generation. A new generation of Israelites are about to enter into that promised land. The little ones that he spoke about in that passage, have grown up and are about to enter into that promised land. The rebellious generation, over a period of 40 years, it tells us, has died off. And a new generation, in Deuteronomy, this is what we have, in Deuteronomy, a new generation is being reminded of the character of God, 
of the faithfulness of God, of the promises of God, of the warnings from God. They're being reminded of these things as that new generation, those grown-up little ones, are about to enter in to the promised land. So this little detail in verse 2, it situates us, it helps us understand when and where these things were spoken by Moses, but it's a reminder to us of the judgment of God on their sin. So that this new generation will not repeat the rebellion of their fathers. Now, a quick reminder for us, and I want to give you this reminder from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Here's an application and a reminder for all of us. It's vitally important, it's extremely important that we let the bad examples of Scripture weigh on us in a way that it warns our hearts so that we don't walk in the same ways they did. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Talking about that wicked generation that died off over a period of 40 years, and the new generation of Israelites are coming in. God was not pleased with them. Verse 6 says, Now these things took place as examples for us, that we may not desire evil as they did. Listen to verse 11. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down. We get to read them. They were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. So brothers and sisters, be warned by this bad example of that fallen generation. and Be warned by all these bad examples that we see in the scripture. Now, I want you to try to imagine yourself being a part of, of this new generation. They're about to enter into the promised land, okay? And that means war. They're about to be face-to-face -face with the dangers and the difficulties that made their father shrink back in fear. They're about to be face-to-face -face with it all. They're about to move forward. You imagine yourself being a part of that, that new generation, and hearing these words from Moses, hearing these words in Deuteronomy. And here's a question. How will God, through Moses, encourage and prepare this new generation to take possession of the land? How will God encourage and prepare this next generation? And I want to highlight two things in the text. Number one... He encourages them and he prepares them for what's to come. The war on the other side of the Jordan, taking possession of the land. He prepares them and encourages them for, for that. Number one, by letting them taste victory. Look at it in verse 4. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 4. After he had defeated Sihon. Actually, I'm, excuse me, let me back up to verse 3. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him and commandment to them. So here's Moses speaking, listen. After he had defeated Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, and 
Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtoreth and in Edri. So think about what's happening there. When does Moses speak these words? It says right after they experience these two victories in battle. Right before they enter into the war beyond the Jordan, they get these two battles right before that. Now those battles are going to be detailed more for us in Deuteronomy 2 and Deuteronomy 3. That's coming up. But how encouraging would this have been that, that here, here we are on the verge, this, this you know, new generation of Israelites on the verge of the war beyond the Jordan, and here Moses' speeches in Deuteronomy are like, like post-war victory speeches. Right after these two battles are won for them by God, and then from that place, here's this charge to enter into the land. This would have been encouraging to them. This is, listen, you've tasted what God could do. Now go. So number one, God would encourage them and prepare them through this little taste of victory. And number two, and here's where I want to sit the longest. He encourages, in Deuteronomy we see this, he encourages and prepares this new generation by what I like to call holy remembrance. Holy remembrance. Now look with me at verse 6. The Lord our God said to us in Horeb. Stop. Remember verse 5. Remember verse 1, Moses speaking to Israel. Verse 3, Moses speaking the commandments of God to Israel. Verse 5, Moses explaining this law, saying... And then starting in verse 6, all the way to chapter 4, verse 40, what do we see? Well, the first thing we see, the Lord our God said to us in Horeb. He reminds them of what God said to them way back 40 years ago in Horeb. He starts reminding, and what you get from verse 6 all the way to chapter 4, verse 40, is this onslaught of holy reminders. Here's what God said. Here's what God promised. Here's what God has done. Here are ways that you responded and, and, you, and you were disciplined for that. Warnings from God. It's just reminder after reminder after reminder. And that's what we get in this first address or this first speech of Moses. We get holy remembrance. Reminders of who God is and the way that he's dealt with them. Now here's why that's important. Those holy reminders are fuel for faith. He wants them to take possession of the land and he wants them to do it with hearts full of faith in his promise. Well, listen, faith can decrease. Faith can increase. The scripture tells us that. Faith can waver. We need fuel for faith. And what is that fuel? These holy reminders. Look at what God has done. Remember what he's done. Remember his words that he spoke. Remember his promise. And as my mind and heart are, are just flooded with remembrance of him, I can move forward in faith as fuel for our faith. In this first speech, from chapter 1, verse 6, all the way to 440, they're going to see many things, and we'll get into it as time, in, in the coming weeks. They're going to see many things that should encourage them, and many things that should warn them. And I want to show you something towards the end of that speech. Look at Deuteronomy 4.9. Towards the end of this speech, he says this in Deuteronomy 4.9. Only take care and keep your soul 
diligently. Lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Did you hear that? This is not just intellectually an intellectual thing like, oh yeah, I forgot that thing happened where we crossed the Red Sea and you parted the Red Sea. It's not just an intellectual forgetting. This is a warning. Listen, people, people, keep your soul diligently. Keep your soul diligently. Why? Because if you don't, if you don't fill yourself with these holy reminders, these holy, this holy remembrance, you will forget the things your eyes have seen. They'll depart from your heart all the days of your life. This first speech of Moses is chock full of holy reminders. And this is how God's preparing them. This is how Moses is preparing them and encouraging them to enter the promised land. Now, I want you to notice that this call to holy remembrance, it, conti it continues throughout the book. You don't have to flip to all these places, but I just want you to listen to them. Deuteronomy chapter 7, this is verse 17 and 18. If you say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? If you say that in your heart as you go to take the land, listen. You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember. Remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Remember, and he points them back to Exodus. Remember what your God did. It's holy remembrance. Again, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Remember that. Remember what happened and he's pointing them back to numbers. Do you not remember? This is holy remembrance. Deuteronomy 9, 7. I'm going to go a little quicker here. I just want you to see this throughout the book. Deuteronomy 9, 7 says, Remember and do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness. Don't forget that. Be warned by that. Deuteronomy 15, verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Remember that. Deuteronomy 24 Verse 9, remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam on the way as you came out of Egypt. Be warned by that. Remember it. Remember what he did. This is holy remembrance. I'll just give you one more. Deuteronomy 32, verse 7 says, remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he'll show you your elders and they will tell you. As the people of God draw near for battle, they must be full of holy remembrance. This is fuel for their faith so that they can go in faith and do what the Lord has commanded. Now, I want to make an application out of that for us. An application for us. A verse that I memorized years ago in Deuteronomy that I love, I love this verse, is Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 3. And I want you to imagine being, being a part of the crowd, being a part of that new generation, 
that this is being said to. Can you imagine hearing this? Listen. Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid. Do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to save you. Imagine being a part of the crowd hearing that. You're on, you're on the verge of battle. Don't be afraid. The Lord your God's with you. He's going to save you. He's with, he's with you. Listen, and you imagine hearing that. And, and here, here's the application I want us to think about. We are the church. We're the people of God. We are not called into a physical warfare like they're headed into. But we're called into a spiritual warfare which is more real, more real than the American Revolution. A spiritual warfare over your soul, over the souls of the people you love, over lost souls. There's war going on right now. This is not peacetime that we are in right now. We are in war for the glory of God. Not physical, of course, but spiritual. And what that means is that for us, like the people of Israel, like a, so for the church, for us, holy remembrance is massively important. For us, as we go into battle, you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not be afraid. Don't tremble. Don't be terrified because of them. The Lord your God is He who is with you to fight for you, get your enemies to save you. That holy remembrance is massively important for us as the people of God, as we go into warfare. So here's what that means, and I want you to let the book of Deuteronomy teach you this, maybe even challenge you in this. As a Christian, if you're a Christian in the room, as a Christian, you are responsible for bringing your heart and your mind into holy remembrance of God, of His character, of His promises, of His commands, of his warning, you are responsible to do that, to bring yourself into this holy remembrance. And how do you do it? How do you do it? With the words of God. You do it with the words of God. You daily eat God's word. One of the reasons you daily go to the scriptures and you read it and you get it into your soul. Why? You need that holy remembrance that fuels your faith. Psalm 1 says, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night, constantly. Moses' successor, Joshua, will be told in Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in this book day and night, that you might be careful to do according to all that's written in it. Christian, you are responsible to fill your heart and mind with holy remembrance as fuel for your faith. Now, step further in application. As a member of this church, you're a member of this church, you're part of the army fighting this spiritual battle for the glory of Christ until we enter into the promised land. As a member of this church, you are responsible for filling up these people with holy remembrance. 
Your brothers and sisters filling each other up with holy remembrance of God, His commands, His promise, His warnings. You're responsible for that. And how do we do it? How do we do such a thing? It's by speaking the Word of God to each other. I want to read this verse to you. Malachi chapter 3, verse 16 says this. Then those who feared the Lord, is that you? Spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him. Why? Why is he paying attention to them speaking to each other? Listen. Those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. That's what we do to each other. We, we speak the word of God to each other. We, we show up on, on, a, on a Lord's Day gathering like this with a heart to hear the word of God. And, and to, you want that and you also want to get in there and give the word of God. Here's something God's been teaching me. Here's a promise I remember. Have you thought about this in God's word? Look at what this says about Jesus and his word. And it's just this holy reminders that we give each other. That's a normal part of being a part of the body of Christ. And just like you're responsible for your own soul. To be full of holy remembrance through the word. So you're responsible for one another to fill this place up with holy remembrance. Deep conversation about the things of God and his word. It's beautiful. I pray you've experienced it and I pray we all experience it more and more. Now that's not just an Old Testament thing. I want to show you this. It's a New Testament thing as well. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Next phrase, teaching and admonishing one another. Listen to what Peter said. This is Peter's words from his deathbed. 2 Peter 1 verse 13. I think it right, Peter says, as long as I'm in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. I want to remind you of some stuff. And through those reminders, I want to stir up your soul to the glory of God. 2 Peter 3, verse 1 and 2, still on his deathbed, he says this. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. Stirring you up. How? By way of reminder. What do you mean reminder? That you should remember... The prediction of the holy prophets, we call that Old Testament, and the command of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. And we call that the New Testament. Stirring you up by way of reminder. And that's what we see in the book of Deuteronomy. A new generation about to head into the promised land, about to head in there, and they're getting filled by Moses in his final words with holy reminders about God, who he is, what he's done, and what he demands as fuel for their faith. Brothers and sisters, let's be faithful in the same way to be full of remembrance of God and full of holy reminders toward each other. Let's pray. Father, thank you again that we get to read your word. And thank you again, Lord, for uh, the privilege to read it and study it together. And God, I pray that you would help us 
Um, over this season, Lord, of, be, of studying this book together, God, I pray that you would increase our love and our affections for the one that Moses' life points to, the greatest of prophets. Well, we give you praise for that, that in, in many ways, in times past, Lord, you spoke to your people through the prophets, but in these last days, you've spoken through your son. God, we worship you for the son. Fill our hearts with affection for him. God, I pray that you would increase our affections and love for the written words of God. Thank you for the scriptures, Lord. As we said earlier, Lord, we're, we're so undeserving. But God, you've given us your word. Help us to love it and delight in it and to long for more of it. Give us hearts to obey it and to preach it. God, help us to regularly fill our hearts with holy remembrance through your word. Let it be fuel for our faith. God, help us to sharpen each other in those ways. God, I pray that you would make it so natural and normal that we as brothers and sisters in Christ would remind each other of these things. Help us to stir up one another's hearts through this holy remembrance. God, thank you again. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.